Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, live from 6th and Peabody, which is the home of Outkick and the home of Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. If you're listening across the network in Muscle Shoals, Fox Sports Shoals, Fox Sports Knoxville, in the Upper Cumberland on Sports Radio 104.7, or across the network on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Download the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Alongside Paul Kaharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. No Chad Withrow today. He's headed to Jacksonville early. I'll meet him there tomorrow afternoon. And then we have outkicked the tailgate from the world's largest cocktail party, Georgia and Florida. We go on the air Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. We are ready to go on Saturday and ready to get you ready for Saturday. Today, Trey Wallace will join us in 15 minutes from OutKick. We'll hit all the big college headlines with him. Armando Salguero, also of OutKick.com, senior NFL writer and columnist. He will join us live from Arizona, where tonight the Cardinals hosting the Green Bay Packers in a 7-0 against a 6-1 matchup. Great matchup. Some of the stars aren't playing. We'll get to that in a moment. And Later in the show, Josh Sitton is on the show today in an hour. Former Green Bay Packer offensive lineman, offensive guard. We'll talk Aaron Rodgers and preview tonight's game with him. And Blake Bettingfield, former NFL scout for 19 seasons here with the Tennessee Titans. He's in studio with Paul for the final hour in the Tennessee Power Hour. And uh, Paul, I believe you're going to be scouting some sec talent yeah we'll get some scouting uh, capsules on three prime sec players to cap off our 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 three prime sec players unlikely to wind up with the tennessee titans one out of positional non-need two they'll probably be out of range for if the season goes the way it's going chad such love of north florida (laughs) <laughs> that that he could not, could not wait to get there. And uh, is he a little tight today after last I, night's baseball hey, result? I, I suspect think he, so. I think he may be. because He's feeling awful good after game one. J.P. Aaron Sibia yesterday told us that they're not going to hold down this Astros lineup. And, and they, they, they not. could not last night. The bats came alive. Very lively bats uh, for the Astros and the uh it just didn't look like the Braves had had many answers last night. Um, and you buy what JP told us yesterday, where he felt like the winner of last night's game was going to win the series because of the the injury. The I mean, the injury's not good, but I don't know why Game Two tells us any more than Game One or Game Three. I mean, I think Game Three probably tells you more. He was saying it was because you wouldn't anything. have Morton back on yeah, the, but on because, the mound because, because of how the rotation stacks up. I don't know the pitchers that well and the rotation that well. Um, I want to see them all hit. I have to say I'm having more trouble rooting for the Braves than I anticipated. (laughs) Even though it's the Astros? Yeah. 
I mean, that's not like I'm rooting for the Astros. I know. It's just like I don't want the Astros to win, but I don't want the Braves to win either. Someone's, someone's got to win, Paul. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind some sort of uh, <laughs> some sort of unprecedented tie. I'm, I'm interested tonight, Thursday night football, Cardinals hosting the Green Bay Packers where uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not going to play for Kyler Murray and that offense. You've also uh, have some COVID issues with Green Bay and their coaching staff. Uh, that they're not going to have Devontae Adams in the lineup tonight. So two star wideouts out for two high powered offenses, but at least we get the quarterback. Hey, I, are you relying on me for that Hopkins? Because when you asked me about Hopkins, I thought you were asking me about Adams. Um, so I'm not positive I, I about was, the status of Hopkins. I don't. Uh, he's questionable to play, and I was listening to a show this morning that said they do not expect him to play tonight. So if you have God, him in fantasy football. Um, well, you'll have time out. tonight because you'll, you'll have the 90 minutes before the game in terms of the scratch. Um, so you're fine there. Uh, the Packers without Adams are a remarkable 6-0. and oh. Oh, now they now they are saying, Paul, that Hopkins is expected to play, but it's going to be based on warm-ups. Schefter, Schefter has now reported in the last hour that Hopkins is going to try to warm up and play tonight. Now, this TJ, uh, not TJ, JJ Watt injury is very interesting because it comes out shoulder yesterday, surgery. it starts to come out, shoulder, and now uh, I think he's had the surgery, it comes out, he tore his bicep, mm-hmm. his tricep, and uh, his shoulder and dislocated his shoulder. He's probably so out for I the year. So I saw a picture of him walking off the field with Hopkins after defeating their former team, the uh, Texans. But I, I don't know how a guy's walking off the field normally with all of that shredded up shoulder. Uh, I'm didn't sure he, he had have, a shot, but I would have thought that he would have had to have been slinged up or something. Didn't he have a bicep injury not too long ago in Houston. Yeah, I think that was one of the big uh, the big injuries that that he had, and he's had elbow elbow trouble. He wore that elbow brace for for a good while. Look, the, that's the thing you worried about when you were getting JJ Watt, and, and you know t- some Titans fans wanted him in Nashville, and he obviously was connected with Mike Vrabel. Um, but you worry that the guy was going to break down because he's not played a lot of complete seasons in his recent history, and he's not playing one this year. Um, And he's been a productive player for them. Uh, It's going to leave a hole there. That's a good team that has a lot, but they'll they'll miss him. And tonight's game will be a good game, but you're going to – Adams. Notice who's not out there. Well, and he uh, Rogers has made um, he's made great work out of a skeleton wide receiver crew in the past, and I, I I'm gonna I, I think I'm gonna start Randall Cobb tonight in fantasy football. I would. Um, I mean, I don't know what else I, you have. I have not uh, I have not used him all year, but I drafted him late, knowing that Rogers wanted and well, I mean practically demanded that they trade for him from Houston, and they did after uh, he signed with Houston this offseason, before he even played a down, they traded him to Green Bay, and he's back with Rodgers. I think it's a huge game for Randall Cobb on the road. Potentially, because they're not activating um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling either, who was uh, potentially coming off IR today um, for this game. And, and they the thought tight that ends. would offset Adams a little bit, but he's not, he's not ready to come Tanyan, off IR either. They have Tanyan. They have uh, Mercedes Lewis, who's more of a blocker now, but yep. he's not what he once was in Jacksonville. It's a premium matchup dented by injuries, which is the case with almost every, every game. 
but you hate to see it. And this is an injury. It's COVID. Right. Um, so that layers on top of, and we haven't talked about this. We've talked about how injuries are hurting the league. It seems like more than ever with, with guys being out and, and missing key games. Um, but now on top of that, you have guys on the COVID list. Um, and we have for, for two years, but, uh, it dents the star power. Um, and when it takes a guy like Devonte Adams out, um, you know, you tune in in that game and you want to see Hopkins and Adams. You want to see Rodgers throwing to his best guy. You want to see all the best stuff. Now, we're going to watch it anyway. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. And it probably can be, you know, it certainly can be a great game anyway. But it'd be a greater game if, if you were close to 100% or if the guys missing weren't the top guys. So, uh, Green Bay with Aaron Jones, he's the second leading uh, receiver on the team in targets out of the backfield. It's so I, I would look for Aaron Jones to also get a yeah, heavy work, heavy work tonight in the run game, uh, where he's been effective this year, um, and and they re-signed him for that reason. This is Arizona though at seven and zero with a chance to get to eight and zero for the first time in franchise history, and then you start to peek ahead a little bit on their schedule. They would have ten days off before they host the no, they visit San Francisco, so they have the 49ers on the road. Winnable game. Yeah, 49ers are not anywhere close to what a lot of people Winnable thought. game. They return home where they will host the Panthers, and then they visit Seattle to finish All out winnable. November. I mean, you mentioned San Francisco and Seattle. We were talking at the beginning of the year. I remember a conversation about how loaded that division is. It's not turned out to be that loaded. It's really a two-team division, not a four-team division, as we suspected it might be. Seattle and San Francisco aren't scary to anybody right now. They go into December against the Bears. I mean, that, and that's, that's at Soldier Field. Uh, again, a winnable game. The next one I look at is one they've already handled, and that's the, the L.A. Rams. So it's tonight against 6-1 and one Green Bay. They then visit, uh, they'll host the Rams, excuse me, on December 13th after visiting L.A. earlier this year and already winning in blowout now they could. That's a game, though, that you could lose, right? Uh, uh, right. Home and home with your divisional rival um, and another very good team. I, I I don't know about you. I know you like Arizona a lot. I like them a lot. You like them. You foresaw this coming, that they could be very good. I don't see them undefeated very good. Um, but, yeah, you know, especially say you're at a 17th game. The Rams are a very good divisional opponent. They've got some soft spots there. If you though, did a power ranking, Paul, um, and I know you're not high on those, but would you have Arizona number one yes. just because they're unbeaten? Well, I'd have them number one because they're unbeaten and they've beaten good teams and stood up to every test. If they lose one automatically, game, if they lose the tonight, undefeated are they team one? doesn't have to be number one. If they lose tonight, are they number one? Well, I'd still get to see what plays out for the rest of the weekend before I I voted on on Monday. Who's Tampa Bay playing? Remind me. Tampa is on the road, I believe. Hang on. Uh, that, that's who I would have number one. And I, I think they're on the road at uh, New Orleans. You and I, I think are you the could, same way. I think if they beat New Orleans, make, I would, it would be a very close call. Yes. But the Rams handled the Bucks, right? So, again. Yeah, no transitive property, know, right? And I that's know. why they get complicated because you start looking at it. And then, uh, you know, when I voted at ESPN, it used to be, well, if I have these teams within three games of each other and the team behind beat that team, <laughs> you know, I can see the argument for – for jumping three spots. But what if I'm already moving them up three spots? Then am I moving them up six spots? 
You know, I know why a fan would want that, but that's an awfully big jump off of one week's results. We were That's why they're kind of silly. We were discussing the NF- NFC West as being stacked. What is stacked is the NFC. I mean, we're just talking power rankings. I think you could get to five. You would the, the top five teams for me right now are all NFC teams, and it's pretty easy. Who's your number one team in the AFC right now? That's, that's yeah. another great debate. I mean, I personally you can make an argument. Bengals. You can make an argument. Vegas. You can make an argument. Titans. Titans. And uh, you can still make an argument for the Bills. And that, that's where I would lean. I, I still believe the Bills are the most talented team in the AFC. So you you conceivably would take five teams from the NFC before you'd get to the Bills. Yes. I think that's fair. I do. And now I don't think it'll be that way at the end, because some of those NFC teams are going to beat each other up, knock each other off. But right now, I think it's fair. And it, it, it may not change for a while because all, it, all the AFC teams are going to just kind of uh, it, uh, cannibalize each other. Well, the team that blew it there is Baltimore. No, no doubt. <laughs> right. If Baltimore had beat Cincinnati, I think Baltimore would easily be in the top four, including the NFC. They, they, they deserve to be in the mix with all of those teams. Coming up, uh, I'll give you one thing on every NFL game this weekend for week eight. That's in roughly 30 minutes. When we come back, we preview the SEC weekend. Trey Wallace of OutKick uh, is about to join us. Some nice matchups across the board. We'll be at one of them uh, in Jacksonville for Georgia and Florida at TAII Bank Stadium or Bank Field in Jacksonville. Paul, they've, they've named that thing hundreds of times already what are we I, what are, I'll, I'll tell is what i default to was that the longest gator bowl it's it's the gator bowl yeah collegiately it's the gator no bowl. it's always been the gator but bowl. but i have been there most for the jaguars obviously and for me the longest period of time was all tell i feel like i feel like it was but i feel like that's cemented because of the titans jags rivalry early yeah. on during that time yeah. it's also it's, uh, it's known as the titans home stadium yes yeah. yeah second home stadium according to jeff fisher adelphia south <laughs> that's right uh when we i come fall back, back to adelphia every once in a while when i'm writing what about why the, is that that's so weird the coliseum well, adelphia coliseum i know but it yeah. was just the coliseum for yeah, a bit for a period of time you never forget your first ball nice. that's why yeah I like never it? go back to LP Field, though. Nissan Stadium fits. Yeah, Nissan Stadium's good. Yes, very much so. Also, because you know it has staying power. Like, at Nissan, you see plenty of Nissans on the road. You're not like, that's going away. Well, Nissan's here. Quickly, like all these banks disappear. Like, like everyone else, everyone's moving to Nashville. Come on in. Nissan's they here. just said, don't drive. Take the bus. <laughs> that's right. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Trey Wallace next as we talk SEC football headlines. Uh, first, though, Aurora Nutriscience. Great supplements to keep you healthy, mentally sharp, ready to go each day. Grab and go packets. Uh, I use the vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, and you can go to vitalifescience.com, V I D A lifescience.com. A 15% discount with the code Outkick360. Vitalifescience.com. Typical pills and capsules are not well absorbed. Uh, Typically, very small amounts are absorbed in your body. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I mentioned vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione. They have so many more options for you. Uh, If you're a, a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol... 
Uh, if you want the endless benefits from curcumin, they, they've got that for you too. Vitalifescience.com. Use the code OUTKICK360 for 15% off at checkout. Code OUTKICK360 at Vitalifescience.com. We are headed to Jacksonville for the world's largest cocktail party. Georgia and Florida this weekend. It's among a, a good slate of SEC matchups. Trey Wallace joins us here on Outkick 360. You can find his great work at outkick.com covering the Southeastern Conference. Trey, hope you're doing well, man. Jonathan, Paul, hope you guys are uh, hope you guys are doing good today on this Thursday. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. I want to get to Georgia Florida in a moment. Uh, but but let's start I, I I don't know if you agree. I think the under the radar matchup of the entire college football slate this weekend is Kentucky Mississippi State on SEC Network. We saw Tennessee Ole Miss get that SEC Network slot a couple weeks ago. I I think this is the the most competitive matchup of the weekend in the conference. Do you agree? I don't disagree, and I wrote about that earlier today, that that I thought if Auburn and Ole Miss didn't kind of live up to the bill and maybe one team got away from that, that I thought Kentucky-Mississippi State would actually be the game to watch. I mean, Jonathan, you've got two teams that are averaging 28 points per game. Uh, Mark Stoops is, is 0-4 in Starkville. Kentucky hasn't won down there since 2008. I look at this game, and, and something's got to give, Jonathan. You Will Rogers, a quarterback from Mississippi State, threw it 57 times last weekend against Vanderbilt, and Kentucky doesn't throw it very often. They rely on Chris Rodriguez or Cavassier Smoke, and I think this game turns out like this is the one that I know Florida, Georgia is going on, and Auburn and Ole Miss, but actually, to be honest with you, I'm looking to see what Mike Leach can do up against uh, Mark Stoops in that defense. Are you surprised that we haven't seen Kentucky's offense come to life? Like, I, I keep waiting weekly for this, and it, I mean, I've come to the realization it's just not going to happen like I thought it would with Levis. Um, it's been interesting to watch how they've tried to balance out the run game. Uh, with the passing game, if you look at Levis and what he does, you know, a lot of his plays are getting outside the pocket, making plays on the run, finding guys down the field. And then when also, Jonathan, you look at the way that they've used Wondell Robinson. You know, they, they haven't they haven't tried to extend the field a lot this season, which means catching, te- you know, catching teams, you know, deep. They've really they, they run these 10 to 15 yard plays. They get the ball in the Robinson's hands and he does work after that, I, you know. They do have Josh Alley returning this weekend, wide receiver that can maybe help them on the outside. But as, as we all know, and I don't take much stock into that Georgia game because Georgia is just so good defensively. But if Chris Rodriguez can, if they can't establish a running game with him, then I think it's going to be difficult for Kentucky this weekend because Mississippi State has so much big play potential, and especially the way they play offense, and they like to play keep away. Where did where did Mississippi State turn this around? I I did not see them getting back to a competitive nature that we've seen so far. I, I think it was in College Station. I think when they went down to Texas A and M and they beat them, I think that kind of turned the page a little bit. Look, they took a beating against Alabama, right? But who has taken a beating against Alabama? Um, and then you come back and you know I thought Vanderbilt would actually give up a little bit of a fight, you know, last weekend, but. They come out, I think it was 34 to nothing at halftime, Mississippi State. Um, you, you've got Will Rogers throwing four touchdowns on, on 57 attempts, and they're throwing the ball all over the field. I think Mike Leach has is, is kind of figured this thing out. They're not going to be able to rely on the run game. 
They really don't have a run game. So it's all just going to be passing. And, you know, I, I think you've seen an, an inspired defense, you know, especially with what they did down at Texas A&M, which that win looks a really a lot better now, especially since the next week A&M had went and beaten Alabama at home. I understand Auburn's the, got the home field advantage here, but I, I'm just surprised by this spread. O- Ole Miss is 10th in the country. Auburn's 18th. That's a significant gap. I feel like Ole Miss is substantially better here, and uh, and they're dogs, right? Yeah. You know, Paul, I don't, I don't disagree with you wholeheartedly on that, that. That Ole Miss is a better football team, but Ole Miss has had problems on defense. And when when I look at what Auburn can do, you know, it's about you know actually actually doing it with Tank Bigsby at running back. Uh, can Bo Nix, another quarterback, kind of like Levis and kind of like Corral, who's going to get outside the pocket and and try to make plays if if his offensive line breaks down? You know, I I look at this game and I think, okay, you give Auburn, you know, a point and a half for being at home, uh, maybe. But overall, you know, I look at what Ole Miss has done. And you look at Matt Corral, who I think is a much better quarterback than Bo Nix. I was kind of perplexed when it came to that line when it came out. Um, you know, I, I definitely put money on Ole Miss, you know, to take care of it. But you you look at what Auburn can do if they can establish a running game and be able to take some pressure off Bo Nix. If they can do that, then I think Ole Miss's defense has has not been up to standard enough where you could have Auburn come in there and just play one of those games that we're so used to seeing out of Auburn, where they they, they kind of just play lights out. We get that once a year against an SEC team, and maybe that comes this weekend against Ole Miss. I, I don't know, but I do know that Lane Kiffin is going to scheme up against this Auburn secondary, try to beat them deep, see if they can get some guys open across the middle. We'll see how Auburn plays their defense. You know, if I was Auburn, you know, you, you play a, a too-high safety type deal and you keep everything in front of you and then you have to put a spy on Matt Corral because he's going to beat you with his legs so the line was a little weird on that one I I think Ole Miss you know ends up taking care of business on the planes but I wouldn't be surprised that this is a game in the third quarter heading into the fourth here's how I I work I see it off (laughs) and I bet then the side that it's off on so money on Auburn yeah yeah, it, it, it's a straight Vegas knows, Trey. You know, that's one of those lines you see and you go, what does Vegas know that we don't know about this? Is it just the corral being banged up and that's that's why the, the Tigers are favored by two and a half? I mean, it could be, but then you look at the Mississippi State-Kentucky line and Mississippi State right. was a favorite when that opened. So it's like, wait a minute, we're talking about the 11th team, 12th <laughs> team in the country going to Starkville and they're a point and a half underdog to uh, the Mississippi State team it's won three games. So it's just, it's kind of mind blowing to me, but Vegas knows something and that's fine. And I think actually, to be honest with you, I think Vegas is onto something with the game in Starkville. I just think maybe they were a little bit off with the one that was going on in Auburn. Let, let's get into uh, Georgia, Florida. From this angle first with the Bulldogs, Trey. We have not seen a, a national championship winning team with two quarterbacks rotating since 2006 with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. And I'm watching what they're doing at Georgia, and because of their defense, I think we're about to see it happen again. Do you think they can make this work, or do you think they need to lean on one and not the other? 
I mean, you, you kind of know what you're getting. So when, when you're getting Stets and Bennett, you know that they are going to run, 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 and then they're going to set up the play action. That's what you're getting with Bennett and, and Georgia. And it's worked. Look, he, he beaten Auburn. Uh, they've beaten Kentucky, beaten Arkansas, all with that game plan. With JT Daniels, it's different. They've been splitting first-team reps all week. JT Daniels is back in the fold of this thing. He's going to play on Saturday. But when JT Daniels is in the game, that's when they're going to try to beat you deep. And that's when you're going to see a lot more passes. And, and I know that's obvious, but it's completely different than what Georgia has done over the last four weeks. So maybe that's why you look at this game and you're like, huh, okay, wait a minute. Does, does Georgia just continue doing what they're doing? Like, I know Kendall Milton is dealing with an injury right now, but they have the running backs in the offensive line to be able to run on this Todd Grantham defense. So it kind of – it's going to throw me off a little bit if they don't roll out Stetson Bennett as the starter, which I, I do think they do. I think he's earned it to be the starter against Florida, um, especially if they can put together game plans like they have in the past. But – I'm not going to be surprised third series, fourth series of the game. They want to sling that football around. They're going to bring JT Daniels in, and you're going to have two quarterbacks. So, Jonathan, I this is a football team to me that has national champion written all over it. Yep. Um, I, I think this weekend we're going to find out, can they do it with two quarterbacks, or do they just need to hold off and keep doing what they've been doing with one quarterback? So your traditional four-quarterback game. Yeah, yes. it, yeah it's, it is odd. Uh, you know, Florida's been trying to make it work, uh, and they hit that. They, they, they've really slid down over the recent weeks. They have the week off, Trey, after the loss to LSU. What Gators team do you think shows up Saturday? And, and I'm not saying a Gators team that goes and beats Georgia, but what do you think we see from Dan Mullen's group? You better be competitive on offense in the sense of coming up with something different to run besides what they did with Emory Jones at, at LSU. I think this is the perfect opportunity for them to go ahead and, and, and name Anthony Richardson your starter. Because what are you losing here? You, you've got to go towards the future. Yep. I, don't I agree. Emory, I don't think Emory Jones is going to be able to pass the football on Georgia. That's just my personal opinion. We haven't seen it. And, and you look what Anthony Richardson did against LSU where they were down, but he comes into the game. Yeah, he threw one interception to start it off, but then you look how he played the rest of the game. He kept Florida in it. I think right now, and, and Florida has been out of the SEC East contention since week four or five of the season, but I think right now you have to build upon your future. Dan Mullen has been very apprehensive about talking about – I think it is. I don't know if he wants to hurt Emory Jones' feelings, but sometimes you have to rip the Band-Aid off. The same way that I look at kind of what, and this is a really weird comparison, same way Tennessee did with Jared Garantano, where they just ripped the Band-Aid off. They said, okay, we're going to go play another quarterback and see if that guy can win us a game. I think if Florida has a chance on Saturday, it's going to be because of Anthony Richardson. If Emory Jones is getting most of the snaps on Saturday, I think Georgia wins this game by 21 points or more. Uh, topic we had earlier this week, Trey, Alabama, d despite the blowout win at the end against Tennessee, I keep seeing these very uncharacteristic mistakes from the Tide. You know, the, the roughing the punter that gives Tennessee life, Tennessee ends up scoring, that, it, making the, the, the mental errors on special teams, 10 men on the field instead of 11, uh, false starts at just inopportune moments. Those things happen, but normally not as routine as they've been for Saban's Crimson Tide roster. What do you make of that? And because of those issues, 
Do you see them in the college football playoff? Because they'll have to go through Georgia in the SEC title game. And I think because of these small hiccups, it ends up being a, a big deal when they face a team like the Bulldogs. You know, with Alabama, and, 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 and I was there watching that game in, in person, and, you know, I, I looked at the Tides' defense, and I don't think they have as much speed in the secondary this year at the safety spot. I think the linebackers have ended up hurting them a little bit. Um, that's not a knock towards Henry Toa Toa. That's just life. Uh, you sure. Know, Tennessee, was, Tennessee was able to find success across the middle over the linebacker in that certain area right there. Hendon Hooker was really good about finding guys in that 10 to 15-yard kind of slant period kind of spot. And I think what Alabama – you know, is is hurting. They're not hurting along the defensive line. Like they got enough pressure on Hendon Hooker, um, but but I look at what they have at linebacker, then they have at safety, and I don't think they are getting as much out of them as we've seen in the past. And, and I think that's going to come back to hurt them. Also, Alabama's offense doesn't have that that speedy, the, you know, Monte Smith or anything like that, you know, type of player. And I think you're you're starting to recognize that when it comes to the offense, like. You know, the end of the game, like I don't make much of the final two touchdowns that Alabama scored against Tennessee. I think the score was not indicative of what the game really was. Yeah. But I look at Alabama, Jonathan, and I think, okay, this team has problems at multiple spots, not just one. It's not just the kicker on special teams. They've got a couple spots where they better tune things up or George is going to beat them by 14 points in Atlanta and Alabama is going to be sitting at home, you know, for the national, for the college football playoff. And they're going to go be playing in the Peach Bowl, you know, in the New Year Six. So right now, and I'll be honest with you, Jonathan, if Georgia and Alabama were playing on Saturday, I think Georgia would win by 14 points. Let's circle back uh, to, to Kentucky and Starkville. You were talking about Tennessee and, and what it did against Alabama there. While Tennessee's recovering this weekend, it would be really good for Kentucky to win that game, setting up something yes. more meaningful next weekend for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I wrote about that today, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I think this is a matchup where if you're a Tennessee fan, and look, you're not going to be called a Volcat. You're not going to, you know, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. I think that you really want Kentucky to win this game on Saturday because then you get to go to Lexington at night, and there are a couple matchups in the top ten. Iowa plays at Wisconsin, and then we've got Michigan and Michigan State this weekend. So potentially, maybe one or two of those teams drops out of the top 10, which will put Kentucky in if they win. So then Tennessee would have an opportunity to go on a road, get a signature top 10 win against the Kentucky Wildcats, and be able to put that streak behind them that's been going on for so long, not beating a top 10 team. But also, it's more of a signature. You know, I think, Paul, Tennessee's playing good enough right now that they can go up there and beat Kentucky if they're healthy. I, I firmly believe that. But it would make it just a bit sweeter if they could go up there when Kentucky's ranked in the top 10 and pull that off and Josh Heupel gets his first signature win at Tennessee and it'll help recruiting. You know that. Trey Wallace with us from Outkick.com. Uh, Trey, Harrison Bailey enters the transfer portal. Not surprising, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of Tennessee quarterbacks since 2020 enter the portal. Um, but with Bailey, two straight coaching staffs with him didn't want to play him. And I always got the impression with Bailey that there is more there than what we were led to believe and what we were told was happening in practice. Why didn't it work out over two regimes? I, I understand he can't run Heupel's offense. 
Uh, that's right. clear, or, or he would have been given an opportunity before playing Milton again. I, at least that's how I view it. Um, but tell us about Bailey, the quarterback, and what, where you see him landing. What type of offense does he need to be in? Because it's, it's odd that the previous regime didn't want to play him all that much either. You know, it's interesting, Jonathan, that last year, and if you remember the way COVID played out, um, he had got kind of injured a little bit before fall camp. And then all of a sudden he went into contact tracing. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was, it's been a long year, but I think it was 17 days that he missed during that time to be able to, to nail down that offense or be able to even try to pick up what Jim Chaney was throwing down. So he was a step behind. And, and, and just as much as Brian Maurer was a step behind last year, you know, as well. So then add on to the fact that you come in late in the season against, uh, you know, Arkansas, you start against Florida, you're not much productivity, but to be honest with you, Tennessee's team was such a shell of itself that it was the first week that it didn't really matter what Harrison Bailey did in the backfield. Um, I, I think that personally, when you bring in this completely different new style of offense as well for a young kid, let's not forget Bailey's got four years of eligibility left. So this guy is, is young. He's still trying to pick up on an offense. You know, it's, it's not, it's not easy to pick up on what Josh Heupel is trying to do. I think you also add into the fact that he needs to work on his arm strength. I think that's something that he would even agree to. Um, and then also just being more of that vocal leader on the football field is something that he's going to have to work on, which I think he can nail down and I think he'll be fine with. But I will say in regards to that, it's hard to be a vocal leader when you're the third string quarterback. Like that's the big thing to me. And, and so I look at this as a fresh start, a good opportunity. Take your online classes for the next five to six weeks He's going to go down to, to Mobile, Alabama. He's going to train with David Morris at QB Country. And then he's going to take some visits. And, and I think he ends up at a spot where they know that they can use him. I think Harrison Bailey can be a, a pretty darn good quarterback in college football. I just don't think things worked out at Tennessee. And, and you know, you can put a little bit of blame on him. But that mess last year that we saw out of the Pruitt staff and then this year, yeah. with, it's really hard to get a chance. I just don't think it worked out. Give him credit, too. He handled this the right way, announcing this during the off week. And, um, you know, it was well, – he did it yeah. – and the, the statement was really well done. Uh, I give him credit because I, Brian Maurer wouldn't have handled this the same way. We, we've seen how John, Maurer would do this. Right. And, I, and here's the thing, too. I've had a lot of people ask me, why now? Why now? Why now? You have to realize the semester's coming to an end. Right. There's four games left in the season. He already had an agreement pretty much that they weren't going to play him this year. He was going to redshirt. So if he doesn't leave now and go find a place to play, we all know the NIL and recruiting, you got to go find a spot where you're going to be at next year. So that's why he left now. You'll see him take some visits. Wouldn't be surprised if there's one pretty big-time SEC school in there that he takes a visit to. And then we'll see where it plays out and where he's at come January. Uh, give us uh, your thoughts on Tennessee just this off week. Aside from getting healthy, what are they working on for Kentucky? Figuring out that offensive line. Um, if if you know if Cade Mays is still kind of hurt when it comes to that Kentucky game, um, I thought it was a lot better. Cooper, look, Cooper Mays is still hurt too at center. You could see that he was playing through it this past weekend against Alabama. It was noticeable. But but I think that, you know what I, I think the main thing is you got to work on the linebacking spot a little bit. You, 
it's late in the season, so it's hard to get really better. But I think you can can look at what Kentucky does on offense, and you can try to find ways to play that game. You know, even if that's putting somebody you know on Will Levis as a spy or whatnot. But I think this week has more been about okay, let's keep things in the motion here. Let's put Alabama behind us. We played really good for three quarters. We let it up. Hendon Hooker's the guy. He's healthy. He's been practicing this week. So let's keep everybody healthy, not injured. The players get to go home for a couple of days if they want to. They've been going for, what, 13 weeks straight now, 14 weeks straight. They get a break. They'll come back refreshed on Sunday. And then all eyes are on Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina. I'm sorry, South Alabama. And then uh, they'll end the season with Vanderbilt. So the bye week couldn't come at a better time injury-wise for this team. Trey Wallace, read his work online, outkick.com. Always great covering the SEC. He's got that for you, previewing all the big matchups and, of course, reviewing things on Saturday. Trey, great work as always. Great visit. We'll catch up next week. Guys, y'all have a wonderful rest of the week. Appreciate y'all. Thanks. Trey Wallace uh, there. Again, uh, check him out at outkick.com. Coming up, at least one big thing on every NFL game for Week 8, starting with tonight's matchup on Thursday Night Football, Packers and Cardinals. That's next on OutKick 360. Rolling along, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. With Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad Withrow on his way to Jacksonville, where... We will be uh, taking in Georgia, Florida on Saturday afternoon. Danny Warfel, our guest this week for Outkick the Tailgate. How about that? We go live at 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern uh, across the Outkick digital platform. Really looking forward to that. Looking forward to a great NFL week. I'll be flying back Sunday morning just in time to catch uh, the Titans matchup in Indy. Paul's headed there. Uh, we will also get uh, but I, these road games now, Paul, because I, I was traveling with the Titans, like you, you don't get to see a whole lot while you're in the press box, right? And working a game. No. I, I now get to peek in at NFL Red Zone. I, I love nice. it. I love it. It's like a, a, a brand new toy for our road games. And um, I know that everyone else is very familiar with it. You're talking to somebody who hasn't been able to watch it. It's fantastic. Um, a lot of games to preview. Here's one big thing on every NFL game this week, at least one thing. We start tonight, Packers-Cardinals. Uh, Josh Sitton, a former guard for the Packers, he'll jump on with us coming up in 11 minutes from now. COVID protocol hit Green Bay this week. Uh, they're without Devontae Adams and a, a couple of coaches. The Cardinals have one of the best offenses in the NFL this year. They're averaging more than 400 total yards per game. And they're the fourth highest scoring team in the NFL. They're going up against a Packers team that doesn't have its defensive coordinator. I think that plays a factor. We've seen some, some teams be without a play caller. And Arizona certainly knows what that's like with their head coach uh, winning on the road at Cleveland. But I think that plays a factor tonight against this offense and having to adjust on the fly to Arizona. And they can get Arizona can get back in the swing here. They had uh, a preparation week with Kingsbury and then no Kingsbury on game day. And then they had uh, a preparation week without him and then him on game day because of COVID protocol. So they're finally back into their regular regular deal. Dolphins at Bills. Buffalo's next four opponents. They get the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Jets, and then the Colts. It's not far from a month off. 
Those Colts teams could be are right. a combined six and twenty on the year. Colts that's could Buffalo's, be all right by the time that's Buffalo's next stretch. But could be first three. Could be. Rick Goslin points out, by the way, uh, with Miami. A great note. Derrick Henry has rushed for 308 more yards individually than the Dolphins have collectively rushed for this season. Miami's only rushed for three touchdowns on the year. Henry alone has 10. <laughs> they can't run it. And then two is back, and he's getting hit and knocked around. It's, it's not good in Miami. Uh, Steelers at the Browns. Big Ben. He has thrown four interceptions in the Steelers' three losses. He's protected the football in their wins. Baker Mayfield with a torn labrum, a broken bone in his left shoulder now has also been reported. Uh, I haven't seen the latest practice report from today, but there, there's still talk that he's going to try to play. I don't see him playing. I think Case Keenum gets the start again. It might be, you know, Case Keenum at a close to 100% versus Baker Mayfield at 70%. Where do you come out in that equation? You might be just as well to go with the backup. Rams at Texans, Cooper Cup, he has caught nine touchdown passes from it. Stafford. He's, he's so good. Uh, first seven games of the season, his career high is nine. He's, he's tied his career high in seven games playing with Stafford. Meanwhile, uh, we could see Terod Taylor return from injury this week. Uh, he has been uh, not officially activated off IR, but he's returned to practice for Houston. Um, the Rams, by the way, they've picked off 10 passes on the season. That is second only to Dallas. Bengals at Jets. Big throw, Joe Burrow. His 17 touchdown passes this season are averaging more than 31 yards per attempt. That is nuts. How when many you, of those you, have been caught by Chase? Um, uh, five or six, I believe. That, that's a ridiculous number. That throws the red zone percentage number for the Bengals out the window. I don't care what right. the Bengals are doing in the red zone because they're doing so much from outside the red zone. Yeah, he has six touchdowns. 35 catches, six touchdowns on the season, Jamar Chase. Great. Uh, we keep rolling. Jags at Seahawks. Geno Smith, he's been sacked five times in every single start so far for Seattle uh, the last two games. So... Uh, not great. Trevor uh, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Um, just one interception over the last three games. This was a huge issue for him early in the season, and now he's starting to settle in. That's not an inconceivable upset. Bucks at Saints. Uh, can Alvin Kamara help the Saints keep up with Brady's offense with Tampa Bay? It comes down to that in this matchup. Panthers at the Falcons. The Falcons have a chance to get above 500 for the first time since 2017. Carolina has punted for a league-high 36 times, and they're only averaging 37 yards uh, on their punt return. The league average, uh, by the way, on punts is 30, or excuse me, 46 yards per punt. They're averaging 37. That's not great. Two teams heading opposite directions right now. 49ers at Bears. Last week against Tampa, the Bears had five turnovers. Justin Fields with three interceptions, and then he lost two fumbles. Uh, Jimmy G's returning home to Chicago. Eagles at Lions. The Eagles lead the NFL in penalties. 58 flags for 419 yards. This was a huge issue for them a year ago as well. They have not improved in that area. Patriots at the Chargers. Mac Jones has played well at home. Can he go on the road and play against the Chargers who are coming off a, a bye week? Play well. 
Uh, the Patriots stomped the Jets. Are they about to go get stomped the Patriots against L.A.? stomped the Chargers last year, I believe. A huge shutout. Vengeance will be on their mind. Washington at Denver. Denver has three consecutive games now against the NFC East. They face Washington, then Dallas, then Philly. Washington has allowed a league-high 210 points through seven games. Cowboys at Vikings is Sunday night football. The Cowboys lead the NFL in both offense, total offense, and scoring. They average 34.1 points per game. They're 22-10 and 10 coming off a bye. And on Monday night football, Giants and Chiefs must win for Kansas City. They are 10-point favorites at home. The Chiefs have already committed an NFL-high 17 turnovers so far this season. Just what the doctor ordered for the Chiefs. We preview Thursday night football, and from a Packers perspective, Josh Sitton joins us next on OutKick 360. Hang with us.